This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. New content will be available every week throughout 2015. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. This evening in the Word of God for a few moments tonight to 2 Kings chapter 4. Now, we did a whole series just, what, several weeks ago regarding the life of the prophet Elisha. And just in case you're thinking it's deja vu uh, tonight, I promise you it isn't, even though it involves an incident in his life. Uh, but it's an entirely different uh, message. So Second Kings chapter 4, a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, Your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then he said, Go, borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons. Then pour out into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons, who brought the vessels to her, and she poured it out. It came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, Bring me another vessel. He said to her, There is not another vessel. And so the oil ceased. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil, and pay your debt. And you and your sons live on <clears throat> the rest. Excuse me. Let me just get a little drink here. <coughs> this woman had a great need. Her resources, as you can see, were almost gone. Her assets were so meager that she had barely enough to feed her family and uh, supply herself and her loved ones, let alone meet any obligations that she might have had outside her home. Sometimes I think that we can feel like this uh, little woman, uh, that we feel that we have just a little oil, just a little oil, hardly enough for ourselves, let alone having some for others. Just a little oil of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Just a little oil of the grace of God in our lives. Just a little oil of the knowledge of God's Word in our lives. Just a little oil of contentment or fulfillment or of joy or of peace. Not enough to share with others. Barely enough to keep us going. Just a little oil, not able to meet the demands that are put upon us by those even within our circle of family or friends, let alone those outside our front door. Just a little oil. I wonder, have you felt drained, spent, dried up? Is your spiritual cupboard bare? Well, if it is, here's what to do. Do 
what this little woman did. Even though she had just a little oil, she talked to the prophet. He gave her the order to what to do. She followed it exactly, and God blessed her. First thing, go shut the door. In other words, get alone with God. Go shut the door. Jesus said, Matthew 6, 6, when you pray, enter into your closet and shut the door. This is what we commonly call having a quiet time. Being alone with the Lord. Just you and the Lord shutting the door. Now this is more obviously than shutting a physical door. When you close a door, you shut something out, but you close something in. And whenever we go into our room or wherever we pray, wherever we seek the Lord, in a sense, we do close a physical door. But more important than that, we close other doors. There's so many things that would want to close in on us. So we need to shut out distractions. And the clamor of this life that we live and all the legitimate things that demand and require, require our attention. And even though they may be very good and they may be perfectly fine, but at that moment, you've got to shut it out because you need to be alone with the Lord and talk to him. Uh, and there's a danger that we can let the good become the enemy of the best. You remember in Luke 10 how Mary and Martha, how Jesus in their home, he came with his disciples, they came into the home, and uh, the two ladies were busy preparing some food for them. They'd come on a journey. <coughs> and how that Mary, she came into the room, and Jesus, and he obviously was in teaching mode. And there was something he was sharing with his men, and she heard that. And she wanted to listen. So the Bible says she sat down at his feet. And that's adopting the position of, of a learner, of a disciple, of someone who wants to hear and know. And so she sat there. And you remember how Martha was upset because she went to the Lord and she says, will you not tell my sister to help me in the kitchen? Now let me paraphrase. I know you men are hungry and you've come a distance and you're here to eat some food before you get some sleep and I'm busy making this, but my sister should be helping me, but she's sitting there at your feet listening. You remember what Jesus said? He says, Martha, Martha, you're troubled about many, many things, but there's one thing that is absolutely needful and Mary has chosen the good part which shall not be taken away. Sometimes you have to shut the door. You have to close out other things, good as they may be, demanding your attention as they may be. But there's a time and a place for everything. And so Mary decided that that was the time and the place to listen, <coughs> to get her soul fed, to maybe get an answer to a question she had. And so she was prepared to let everything go just to sit at his feet. And you know what? Jesus loved that. Hungry as he may have been, he saw the hunger in Mary's heart, and that pleased him more than any food he was about to get. 
Surely we'd eat later. Surely they'd have a lovely meal. But this was the most important thing. And Acts 10 tells us about Peter while he was in Joppa. And I like how it puts this. It says in verse 9, The next day as they went up on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray. And so he was staying at Simon the Tanner's home. Uh, and no doubt there would be a time for supper. But while he's waiting, he wants to pray. He wants to shut the door. He wants to get alone with the Lord. And it was good that he did because the Lord wanted to get alone with him because he had a message for him. And about the sixth hour there came, he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened an object like a great sheet. And you know the story how the great sheet came and then how those men came uh, from the house of Cornelius. And then how Peter went back with the men and how then as he began to share, the Holy Spirit <laughs> fell on them as on us at the beginning, he said. And the real breakthrough into the Gentile world became at that open door the house of Cornelius because a man took time to go onto a roof and to pray and to shut the door. <clears throat> Whenever Peter then is brought before the, uh, the church council as it were at Jerusalem because this was a big thing it was a big thing for Peter to go into any Gentile's house, and that's why God had to show him this vision of this sheet and have that extraordinary experience. But when he's explaining to the council in verse 4 of the next chapter 11, he says, but Peter explained it to them in order from the beginning, saying, note what he says, I was in the city of Joppa praying. He wasn't in the city of Joppa sightseeing or shopping or playing. He was praying. He did not waste his time. He had those moments to spare and he decided to put it to good use. And when he did, it was the right time and the Lord revealed that vision to him. Why? Because he shut the door. In Revelation 1 and 10, John is in the Isle of Patmos and he says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. What does that mean? It meant that he took time. Remember he was a a prisoner on a penal colony of Rome in Patmos. He's an old man, and they exiled him there. But when it came the Lord's day, he made sure he would be alone with the Lord. How he did that, I don't know. Maybe he took a few moments, got on his knees, spent a little bit of time, and when he did, suddenly he got this mighty revelation, which we know as the book of Revelation. What a thing that is. Why? Because in the midst of his difficulty and the pressures and the strains and the stresses he was under, he wanted to be alone with the Lord, so he shut the door. We need to shut the door. You need a time during the day. Uh, everybody's different. Some of you are morning people, some of you are night people, some of you are mid-afternoon people. I don't know what you are. But you need some moment when you shut your door and you talk to the Lord or you worship or you do something that you're alone with him. So go shut the door. Jesus himself shut the door many, many times, did he not? 
Sometimes to get away from everyone and everything, he went up into the mountain apart to pray. Even though he loved his disciples and he loved being around them and he loved being around people, he ministered continually to people. He was a people person. But there was just times to be alone with the Father, he would go up a mountain or a hillside. And especially he would go into the garden. He loved to go into the garden. That was his favorite place. He could go in there among the trees. He could be hidden away. He'd fall on his knees. He would talk to the Father. He just loved those moments when he could shut the door of all of the demands that were made upon him. Multitudes followed Jesus from everywhere, crowding around him. You hear celebrities today talking about uh, how that there's a novelty factor at the beginning when they become a, a celebrity, but then it, it wears off after a while when, when they can hardly be bothered because so many people, they've gone to a restaurant, people's at them all the time. I remember years ago I was with a pastor and we were down in Lurgan and we were in this place, we were having breakfast together and Pat Jennings, who used to be the Northern Ireland footballer, he was a goalkeeper, very famous at that time. And of course he had retired, but he was in there with some businessman. They were talking business because they were quite close to where we were sitting. And I lost count of the people that would come over and say, could you sign an autograph? And of course that was the day before mobile phones. It would have been, could you give us a selfie? But it was a sign an autograph. And he was very, he, he was very, very generous with his time. I mean, I thought he, he's one of the few exceptions really because most of them would not put up with that because he was talking business and he was trying to eat his, his big old fry at the same time he's cooked town sausages he was advertising at that time but he was nice I remember one time at a wedding uh, uh, it was between the, the wedding ceremony and the wedding reception and it was in a hotel and you know the, you know, you get those few hours between times and all the photographs were being taken and after they were finished uh, Chris Eubank was there the boxer the, the world championship boxer and uh, some of the young people at the wedding recognized him. I recognized him, but I wasn't going to ask him for another. I don't need his, want his autograph or need it. But some of the young people wanted his autograph. So they, Mr. Eubank, Mr. Eubank, can I have your autograph? Certainly, certainly. And started signing autographs. He says, what are you doing here? He said, we're at a wedding. Whose wedding? And they said, whose wedding? Well, where is the bride and groom? Well, they're just coming out of that room now. Look, there they're coming. And he went over to them and he talked to them. And he says, uh, have you got a visitor's book? I'll sign it. And he wrote a lovely sentiment in their book. And then he stood with and put his arms around and he says, let's take a photograph. And he must have spent at least 25 minutes talking to people, the, the wedding guests and so forth. And then he went on his way. And I thought, there's not many today could be bothered to do that. They don't have to do that. But can you imagine Jesus? Everywhere he went, all day long, people would be thronging him. He was the most famous man in all Israel in his popular years, popular time of that three-year period. Everybody came to him. Everybody wanted a piece of him. Everybody wanted him to touch them or them to touch him. And, and yet there was times when he just felt, I need to get away. This is good. This is wonderful. I love this. I want to minister to people, but I just need to be alone with Father. So I'm going to go up the mountain. I'm going to go into the garden even his disciples, when he took them into Gethsemane, do you remember when he took Peter, James, and John, and then he went apart a little bit and sat down, kneeled down to pray. Just had to be, just had to shut that door out. So shut the door. Secondly, take what you have and pour it out before the Lord. 
The little woman said, I have just a little oil. A little jar of oil, not very much. It's all she had. It was all she had left. She had nothing else but that little jar of oil. Take what you have, pour it out before the Lord. You may not have as much as you used to have. You may not have as much as others have. You may not have as much as you would like to have. But whatever you have, pour it out before the Lord. Start where you are right now. Start with what you've got. Just a little oil. Just a little prayer. Just a little understanding of the word. Just a little contentment. Just a little thanksgiving. Just a little happiness. Just a little something. Start with what you've got and pour it out before the Lord. Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 1 was barren. Her husband Elkanah had two wives, Hannah and Penina. And Penina gave him children, but the Lord had closed Hannah's womb. And Penina provoked her. Every year they would go up to Jerusalem, and she provoked her terribly, <laughs> mocked her, because she had no children. And it was hurtful and painful. And so she would go into the temple. And while others was feasting, she was praying. And she'd go into the corner, and she would sit there, and she'd pour out her heart. All that frustration, maybe even anger, who knows? All that hurt and pain that she was going through, and she just poured it out to the Lord. The Bible says that only her lips moved. Just under her breath, her heart was being poured out. And old Eli the priest saw her and he thought she was drunk. And he says, she says, do you think I'm one of those type of women? She says, I'm pouring out my heart. She says, I'm broken. I'm devastated. I'm hurting. Could you not see that? I'm paraphrasing. Can you not see that? And then he did. He realized that she was genuine. And he prophetically spoke over her life. And they went home from the great feast. Her and her husband got together. Nine months later, a little son was born. But in her prayer, here's what she said, Lord, if you give me a man-child, I'm desperate for a little son. See, every mother in Israel wanted the son because that son could be the Messiah. But she says, if you give me a man-child for the rest of his life, I will lend them unto the Lord. And she did. And he gave her a man-child, little Samuel, <coughs> called of God. And she weaned him, nursed him and weaned him until he was just a little boy and she took him to the temple and she gave him to Eli the priest to be his helper. And little Samuel grew up and became one of the greatest prophets Israel has ever known because a woman poured out her heart to the Lord. And the Lord heard and he answered because there was a time and Samuel was born at the perfect time to change Israel, 
You know, when he was just a little boy, how God spoke to him. Remember three times? Gave him a message all the years of Israel would tingle at. And there was such a, a changeover that God was going to deal with that old priesthood. Hezekiah was sick unto death. Second Kings 20. God told the prophet to go into him and tell him, set your house in order, you shall die and not live. Mm. That's a strong message, isn't it? How'd you like a prophet to come and tell you that when you're lying sick? And so the prophet turned on his heels and he walked out of the room. He delivered his message. He was halfway over the courtyard. And Hezekiah, when he walked out, he turned his face to the wall and he cried unto the Lord. He said, Lord, I've been faithful. I've been true to you. And he poured out his heart. All that he had left in him, he just poured it out. <coughs> the Lord heard that cry of his heart. And God spoke to the prophet and says, go back again. Tell him I'm going to add 15 years onto his life. Job lost everything. He had seven sons and three daughters. He had thousands and thousands of camels and donkeys and oxen and servants. And the most wealthiest man in the East. And the most godly man. And you know the story how Satan came before God and God says, have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him in all the earth. His Jews evil. Ah, but look at how you protect him. You lift that protection off me, I'll curse you to your face. And God says, well, you go ahead, but you can only go so far. Long story short, he, raiders came to Sabaeans and they took his livestock and they killed his servants. <laughs> His sons and his daughters would meet in their homes, probably celebrating their birthdays. And there they'd be feasting and drinking. A great wind came, crashed the house down around their ears. All of them were dead. This all happened in one day. Everything he had, he owned, he loved was gone in one day. Can you imagine that? And then his wife turned around and says, curse God and die. I mean, that was just... Sticking the knife in, wasn't it? But if you read the story of Job, he poured his heart out to the Lord. He poured his heart out to the Lord. Yes, those so-called comforters came and they blamed him. They said it was his own fault. He deserved what he got. He had secret sin in his life and God was exposing it. Some comforters, weren't they? But he poured his heart out to the Lord. And the Lord turned that situation around. So shut the door. Take what you have. Pour it out before the Lord. And then expect the Lord to pour in as you pour out. As you pour out your heart to the Lord, expect him to pour in. And he will. He'll do it. He'll increase you. He'll cause growth. He'll cause blessing in your life. He'll, 
Christ will satisfy. The Holy Spirit will begin to flow in your life. You'll have the oil of gladness that will come. Hannah got her child. Hezekiah got his 15 years. Job got twice as much restored to him as he had lost. They poured out what they had and expected God to pour in. And then the supply within is greater than the demands without. There's lots and lots of demands on our life today, isn't there? There's family demands, there's the demands of our job, our careers, our studies, our home life, our civil life. There's so many demands that's made upon us. And sometimes you just feel, how can I take any more demands on me? But you shut the door. You close yourself in. You pour out onto the Lord. And then he pours in that extra added strength, that extra grace that you need for the journey, that help that you need for that day, for that situation, for that appointment. He just pours it in. The supply within is greater than the demands without. Many will be the demands in your life but God will give you the supply. There's going to be times when your boat will be rocked. Your world will be rocked. Apostle Paul, he's on that ship as a prisoner. He's going to Rome. And his boat is about to be rocked with that great wind. But I can tell you that he was more than a match for it. He was more than a match he was able to handle it. And I'll tell you why. Because in the midst of it, here's what he did. Verse 21 of Acts 27. But after long abstinence from food, fasting, then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. And now I urge you to take heart for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of God, to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. Indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. However, we must run aground on a certain island." And right at the end of that chapter, it says, And the rest, some on boards, some on parts of the ship, and so it was that they all escaped safely to land. When Paul set sail, he warned the captain, and he warned the centurion, this ship is going to run into big trouble. But they didn't believe him. And then when they ran into big trouble... And everybody was frightened. And they thought for a moment to kill the prisoners. And Paul says, no, I prayed. I fasted. I've sought the Lord. This is what's going to happen if you listen to me. You didn't listen to me then, but if you listen now, we'll all get safe to land. We'll make it there by the skin of our teeth, but we're going to make it, every single one of us, and every one of them did make it. Why? Because he shut the door. And he poured out, and he found the strength and the grace 
to get through it. And then when they got to land, and now when they escaped, they found out that they were in the island called Malta. The natives showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow him to live. But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up and suddenly fall down dead. But after they had looked a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. <laughs> There's going to be times when a viper will come out of the fire and attack us. A spiritual viper. Unexpected, suddenly, without warning. But if we have spent time alone with the Lord, if we have shut the door, if we have poured out our heart, we'll find even the strength for those moments. And Paul found the strength. Didn't faze him. He just shook it off into the fire from whence it came. <laughs> just a little oil. Doesn't look much, does it? Because that little woman shut the door and because she poured out her heart, she did what she was asked to do. Then God poured it in until every vessel was full, until she had enough not only for her and her two sons, but she was able to sell it to her neighbors and live of the proceeds. All she had to do was shut the door. Close in with God. And that's what I'm challenging you to do tonight. That's what I'm challenging me to do tonight. Is to take those moments and close the door. Just be alone. Just you and him. And share your heart with him. Tell him what's on your heart. He knows anyway but he wants you to tell him. And then see that grace come in, that strength come in, that peace come in, because you've been in his presence. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, something happens in those moments we spend with you. Even at the time of we don't feel anything or see anything or hear anything, something happens. Something goes into action behind the scenes of our lives. Something stirs and your plan is fulfilled. So, Lord, we're going to take those moments in our day and the busyness of life with all the stuff that we've got to get through. And we're just going to sit in your presence or kneel in your presence or stand in your presence.
and tell you what's on our hearts. And believe, Lord, that your strength and your grace and your peace and your contentment and your comfort will come into our hearts. And we'll know, Lord, that you're looking out for us, that you're working out everything according to your own will. So we give you thanks tonight, and we bless you. As we pour out the little oil that we have, that you will multiply it, and you'll meet every need in our lives, spiritually, physically, financially, whatever need we have, Lord, you will meet that need if we shut the door and pour out our hearts to you. So we give you thanks, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can also watch the Sermon of the Month video at youtube.com forward slash Moira Pentecostal or download the sermon video through our iTunes video podcast. For more information, visit us at www.mpc.org.uk. Thank you.